Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Comics Pals Reviews. Today we are here to talk about two of Marvel's biggest books. No, no DC this week. Uh, we just didn't choose any DC books, but we've got uh, Spider-Man Life Story Annual Number 1. And we have Winter Guard number one here with me to speak about these books are two of our normal uh, four review crew members. Uh, we've got Pete. Yo. And Marco. I'm the abnormal one. Uh, he's usually on the show, but he's just generally abnormal, like as a person. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Thank, yeah. thank you. Pete. That's how I, I interpreted that. that. <laughs> Right. Um, so if you guys want to connect with us and support us, uh, there are some simple ways to do that. Make sure you guys are following us, leaving us a rating and a review wherever you listen. Uh, like, share and subscribe on YouTube for free. Um, and all that stuff is free to do. It helps us out a lot more than it costs you. Follow us on social uh, so that you can be made aware of when we drop new content and when we put out cool tweets. You never know uh, when we're going to put out something fun for you guys. Uh, also, make sure you listen to our main show, The Comics Files, which drops every single Monday, where we're talking about the characters you love and all the places you can find them. If you are listening to this before the next episode drops, so this drops Thursday, if you're listening to this before Monday, make sure that you tune in because we are going to be talking about the Spider-Man trailer that everyone is losing their minds about. Come talk to us about that. Here are my thoughts. I have... So many thoughts about the Spider-Man trailer. You know what else I have thoughts about? Spider-Man Spider Life Story Annual number one. Yes, indeed. This is the book that Chip Zdarsky teased last summer. Uh, and we finally got it in our hands. So this is a J. Jonah Jameson-centric story by Chip Zdarsky uh, with art by Mark Bagley. Um, Andrew Hennessy and Matt Villa fill out the creative team on this book. Uh, so Pete was probably the biggest fan, I think, of Spider-Man Life Story. What a big surprise. Uh, <laughs> what did you feel about this annual? I really enjoyed it. Um, I I think I think this was the book I called out last week as being the one I was most excited. If not, it was on my pals polls. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I really love the way that Chip writes Spider-Man. Um, and I, I've said that a million times, so I won't expound on why. Um, but... I think we all know that he also loves J. Jonah Jameson. Um, and, like, that's a thing he's made no bones about. So the fact that he, you know, um, had this vision for the annual to be all around J. Jonah was something that I figured uh, he was, you know, probably excited to do and had a story that he was really eager to tell. Um, so I went into it definitely excited, and, and I felt like it delivered. Um, I, I really, really appreciate... Um, the kind of just the way that that life story is able to take like the kind of you know loose continuity of of amazing spider-man and like actually make it commit to a timeline and see the characters age and you know grow and change in some ways that um that we wouldn't see in in the mainstream stuff and getting to see that from from jonah's perspective and kind of um also, while he's out on the sidelines uh, for a lot of those years, um, was something that I, I really, I just, I got a lot out of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How about you, Marco? I, um, I mean, I, I think I liked the issue. I don't know that I needed a, jo a Jameson story necessarily, and so for that 
um, I, I I will say that Chip was able to, to drive me through, and that's fun. It was a good time. So at the very least, I'm glad that I got to experience that. But um, was it something I was craving for? Uh, but you know what? Uh, I'll give it to him. Chip Chip knows what he's doing. Um, Bagley and Art, I think, was uh, fresh for what I've seen him in because I think uh, when when I was reading the the onslaught stuff, that was when I first saw like early Bagley. Then um, I think he did a couple issues here that, that we've reviewed in the past. This is probably the cleanest that I think I've seen his art so far, and so I really appreciated that. But uh, yeah, overall, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I I really really enjoyed this. Uh, I think I might have enjoyed this more than the whole miniseries life story um because it felt so focused it's Mm. singularly focused on jonah and how his obsession with spider-man destroyed his life you know the mainline comics can't remove jonah from the equation for that for this type of like long-term storytelling uh because you just you know you can't do that you need the character so um we never get to see his like obsession result in him really really losing out and in this that's all this is this is him coming to terms with the fact that you know his hatred for spider-man is actually born out of uh the death of his wife um and that i thought was something that was really heartbreaking and it allowed me to connect with jonah as a character in a way that to be frank, I literally never have in any other interpretation of Spider-Man that I have ever read or watched. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, the whole kind of like desire to humanize Jonah a little bit more, I feel like it's like a fairly recent thing, right? Like I definitely always kind of thought of him as like, like a comic relief villain. You know, yeah. right? Like, he's a definitely an antagonist, but he's mostly played for laughs, you know, uh, more than anything. And, you know, in the same way that I think the life, the main series of Life Story kind of allowed Chip to take some of the, um, and I mean this with all the love in the world, right? The melodrama, some of the more, like, soap opera stuff of this this era of superhero comics and kind of turn it into more of a um more of a true tragedy you know um like to the point you made right sean like like jonah spends 30 years in jail he not only you know right he his hatred for spider-man is born out of the death of his wife but it also ruins his relationship with his son his own like the person he loves the most in the world his only family left um you know, and he, he doesn't get to know his grandson, you know, and he destroys his legacy. He destroys the bugle. He destroys everything that he built, you know, um, in, in the service of this, you know, misplaced grief, really, you know, um, it makes him a really tragic figure and one that, um, I don't know, it, it feels like a really good deconstruction of the character, right, of taking real things that happened in the history of the character and like maybe stuff that you could apply subtext to and making it text. 
in a, in a way that feels really genuine and authentic versus like I think sometimes this kind of thing can come off as like fan fictiony, um, unless you nail it right, and I, I feel like they nail it here, and I think that that's definitely supported by, you know. Um, Bagley's art, which, you know, in my mind, right, for, for somebody my age, right, like, I think he's one of the definitive Spider-Man artists, right? Like, I, Ultimate Spider-Man was obviously so uh, formative, and, you know, I love I love seeing him get to draw these characters. Um, and so I feel like that grounds it in a way that makes it feel even more authentic to kind of the the Spider-Man DNA that it's breaking down and turning into something else. Yeah, I mean, um, I think the, you know, the thing with Bagley, right, is he's been around for a long time. And so it's easy to, you know, get tired of him or, or whatever. And for me, I I really always enjoy seeing his work. Yeah, uh, There's never a time when I'm like, oh, Bagley, oh, no. Um, I enjoy seeing his work. It feels like quintessential Spider-Man. And I think that, you know, he, he benefits uh, here from, from the coloring too, which um, this is typically how his books look. This looks like ultimate Spider-Man in a, in a way, like it's just got that flavor to it. Um, yeah. But, but I see what you mean though. Cause like it, it also feels more modern Cause like I think of Ultimate Spider-Man and some of the colors were like kind of shiny, like it it looks right. like a book from the two thousands, you know. Yeah. Whereas this yeah. is like definitely his style and his, and his you know it looks like his Spider-Man, but it does have a bit of that modern cleanness to it, that like sheen. Yeah, it's very clean, um, and I love the warmth of the colors as well. I think uh, Matt Miller did a really good job. Uh, yeah. Coloring. Bagley's work and, and Andrew Hennessy did a great job inking Bagley's work as well. Yeah. Um, the inks just, are really good. Yeah. The inks they're are subtle. Very, very they're really subtle, but I feel like it makes the line work that much stronger. Yeah. And, and the other thing I wanted to point out too, about the story is that uh, I love the way that the idea about J Jonah Jameson's greatest sort of failure or mistake is Scorpion we don't think of Scorpion as a major player type of villain. You know, like, he's not really, like, he's never had a movie. You know, he's a part of the Sinister Six and stuff like that. But he's, like, I would say he, it's, you know, he's probably, like, a B or C, B, maybe to some people C-list Spider-Man villain. But in real, yeah. in real life, which the Life Story series is trying to bring some reality to these things, if there was any supervillain at all, whether they're, they could be Z-list, that's a major problem. So J. Jonah Jameson contributed to the, you know, the death of someone. Scorpion is a murderer. Scorpion is a thief. Scorpion is a, he's a supervillain. That's a, that I love rooting J. Jonah Jameson's character in that as a mistake Mm -hmm. that he has to, uh, solve to redeem himself you know that was so intelligent in a way he creates he, he sees spider-man as a supervillain he created a supervillain mm. you know um so he's able to shift the projection that he had of spider-man onto scorpion in the end and actually defeat him redeeming himself uh as he dies 
I love that. And I love the way that um, there's that scene where um, his therapist, Helen, who's revealed to be the Gwen clone later on, uh, which was cool. Um, I like how she kind of confronts him and is like, you know, like, no, you're the only one who wasn't beaten and brought here by Spider-Man. Like, you're straight up a criminal, dude. Like, you committed right. crimes. Like, you know, you you aided and abetted a murderer, right? Like, that was you, dude. That was all you. And, like, it doesn't matter what, you know, even if Spider-Man was a villain, that wouldn't have justified what you did. Yeah. And, like, exactly. he has to live with that, you know, and, and you know, try to find... Uh, redemption in whatever way he can right and yeah I, I don't know i just i i feel like the the whole arc uh that he goes on in this is just it's really compelling really well executed i very rarely have these moments but this issue made me feel like man i wish that you know mainstream big two comics could do things like this yeah you know, because this is, this feels authentic to the J. Jonah Jameson character. And he, I wish he wasn't stuck in a loop of having to hate Spider-Man. Although they did move his character forward uh, quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. post uh, big time era. And then even post um, Secret Wars and in, into all new uh, Spider-Man, they moved his character forward, gave him a wife um, and stuff like that. But, you know, he always just rubber bands and i would love for him to not do that but such is the way of comic books exactly yeah i really love this i yeah i absolutely loved it and and i think that desire is why books like this are so special Mm. yep definitely i i mean of the two this is my pick of the week absolutely Uh, and i i would certainly say uh whether you read life story or not I think this this works. You don't have to have the context of the miniseries. Um, if you're interested in J. Jonah Jameson as a character and seeing something done with him that's actually unique, uh, I would I would run out and get this. Definitely. Yeah. If you're a fan of Chip's work on Spider-Man or you've heard us talk about it and are interested in checking it out for yourself, I think, I think Life Story in general is a good inroad, but this as a single issue is uh, excellent as well. Yeah. Uh, let's move on and let's talk about Winter Guard number one. Uh, this is by uh, Ryan Katie, who is a f- you know friend of the show. I would say I think that's fair to say. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, with we've got the main story artist is Jan Bazaldua, uh, and with prelude story art by I don't know how to say this one. Jibril, 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 Jibril Morissette fan. Uh, with colors by Federico Blee, uh, and lettering and production by Ariana Mayer. So this is not something that we would typically pull uh, for this show, but it is a number one. We try to hit those, and then also, uh, as I said, Ryan Katie is someone who we you know we really like. Um, so we decided to give it a shot, and certainly there is some amount of context that is lacking for all of us who are not pulling Avengers or aren't caught up on what's happening with the Avengers in mainline Marvel continuity. Um, That being said, I actually found a lot to like here. I was surprised. I won't lie. Yeah, me too. Um, I, 
I definitely like wasn't super sold on just like the premise, right? Like I this is like not a team I have any contacts for or characters that I'm like particularly interested in. Um but yeah, I I thought that uh I thought that uh Ryan did a good job of like doing that kind of thing that I think a lot of issue number ones that are are trying to make something accessible for someone who's not reading everything yeah. have to do where yeah. you have that some of that dialogue that's very like here's what's going on and what and what you need to know um but it never felt like too much like that like that can very easily turn into just like expository like kind of word vomit and I felt like uh he did a good job of trying to like keep it you know um like contextualize in a way that actually felt like the way that people have conversations. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. which was, which I appreciated because it allowed me to fill in the blanks, you know, um, more than enough for me to be like, cool. I get what everybody's doing right now. I get what the stakes are. I get what everybody has to gain or lose in this situation. I'm in, you know? Um, and then I could just get in the rhythm of the issue. Uh, and the fact that it was able to kind of, I think do that legwork and then also deliver, an actual story um, is 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 good. Is really good, actually. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly how how I felt about it, uh, Pete. You put it uh, very eloquently. That's yeah, exact feelings. Uh, so the general idea here is that the Avengers and the Winter Guard are at war. They they have a, like a feud going on. Uh, you don't see a lot of that. You don't see the Avengers get caught up in beef, just straight up beef with other like <laughs> squads like that. Is I that always really, love when that happens. Like the X-Men like 10 years ago, right? Like- right. <laughs> and even that, right, was like uh, that was a beef that took place in an event. So um, there wasn't much preamble to it. I don't know where this is going to go. But the idea that the Avengers and the Winter Guard just have beef. It feels like a gang war that's yeah. go- going on over time. Like, like I fuck love you, that. no, fuck you. Right. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what prior interactions they had that is leading, that has this being what's happening. But I feel like I want to go read them because that's crazy. Um, and so I really enjoyed that. I got to say, I didn't love the prelude too much. Um, I kind of wish that there wasn't one. It does add context that I suppose is necessary. But when we got past it, I actually found myself pretty invested in the main the main story. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess it I, I didn't necessarily feel like I needed it, but I think to the point I made earlier, like it was helpful. Like it grounded me. And I yeah. think the fact that I dug the rest of the issue, I am thankful that I have that context now so that when this shit comes up in number two and number three, that I don't have to have that come later. Right. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm already in. I get it. And it, it, it knocks out any other like background that you would. I think to what you said earlier, Pete, right? He lays it out in such a way that it doesn't feel like you're bot getting bogged down by that information. I didn't, I didn't mind the prelude. Um, I had fun with it. it. It helped me get right into it um, and just kind of hit the ground running once we got into the main story. So I, I definitely appreciated the the additional context. Yeah. Yeah. I, and again, like no, knowing through that, that there's this war 
between these two factions was pretty this feels like wwe like why like they're just going they're just beefing i, I can't get over that it, it really um, it really did have that energy too like now that you say that i totally see that because like i remember like the the point where they're they're all like talking about the mission and um my dude, the alcoholic werebear, who is oh, my, major. my new favorite Marvel character. Right. <laughs> Sky rules. Um, I I thought it was really funny that he's just like, oh, what? Like our whole stable against one tag team? Like we're going to fuck their shit up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and they show up and like, just like uh, Alexia and, and uh, Yelena just fucking clown them out. Like it's, I don't know. I, I thought it was like it's it was a lot of fun, you know? It it was definitely like a real kind of like you know, um like it had a little bit of that like popcorn comic energy where it's just like it's just a good old fashioned fucking brawl, but like I was really into it, you know? Like I thought the dialogue during that stuff was working for me, the art was good. I I don't know these characters, but they all have really cool designs and pretty cool powers and stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? I'm in for this. <laughs> there was yeah. one moment, I think, from the art perspective, specifically in the prelude. Um, it's the, I think it's the only nine-panel grid that's there. But something about it and like the layout kind of threw me off. And I, as I was kind of thinking about it, I, I might have realized that I don't think I've ever seen a, uh, a an, an issue that has a all black uh, background on a nine-panel grid. I'm like so used to it against white that it it, sure. it threw me off as like a page. Interesting. That's an interesting thing to point out. Yeah. Um. I will. I will say in general, I wasn't in love with the the art in the prelude. Um. And I think that might be part of why I preferred the main story. Sure. Um. But uh. Yeah. I also. I also thought Black Widow. Black Widow's voice was a little bit off. I agree. Um, it it read like Scarlett Johansson to me. Yes, yes, very much so. Which could have been that you know that could have been what Ryan was tasked with. I don't sure. know. Um, oh, especially because it's like this feels like it's tying into Black Widow, right? Like not obviously not tying into it, but like this book feels motivated by the fact that these characters are now like on people's minds. There's yeah. there's no chance that the Winter Guard get their own comic book if some amount of them weren't just in the movie. They're right. Just, and like, obviously like Yelena seems like she's going to be a, ma- a major character moving forward in the MCU. Like yep. it, it makes sense that they want to have, you know, um, I mean, not only like a, a jumping on point, if somebody's interested in that character, but like not for nothing, they'll probably like pull from this run. Right, because like, how many books are there about these characters that you can actually base things off of? Not that many, probably. Right, like I, I don't know them that well. So maybe I'm wrong, but you know, I would imagine their appearances are are pretty pretty limited. Uh, so fun fact: Ursa Major is in Black Widow. Nah. This was a little tiny wrinkle that I left. I did never brought up on the show because I didn't think it was relevant. But Ursa Major is a werewolf, right? So, like, you know, he's a were bear, a were bear. Sorry, like, essentially a shapeshifter, a human who becomes right, you know, um, which is their mutant power. Uh, in Black Widow, 
there is a giant dude in i think he's in the prison with um with red guardian and that actor posted on instagram after the movie came out and said you know now that the cat's out of the bag and i and the movie has come out i can reveal that the character that i was playing is ursa major oh yo so my man is coming to the big screen yeah, so that's set up right there. If they do a Winter Guard film or whatever, all right, he could he could be in that. They did um, say in this that he was like rotting in prison, like he was in the gulag before this. So right, yeah, there you go perfect, uh, perfect tie and stuff. Damn. Uh, I really enjoyed the fight sequence as well. I did, yeah. Um, the the action was really good. Like it was it was super like. It was frenetic and it was, but it was like very digestible. Like it was, you know, beat for beat. It really, really worked. The only criticism that I have of it is that I feel like it kind of made the Winter Guard look bad. They got uh, punked. It, yeah, and obviously that's partially due to the fact that Red Guardian had a plan. He potentially has a a plant uh, within the team that is helping him out. But it just feels like when you've got gods on your team and you've got, you know, mutants and all that, like you should be able to beat a human, be- two human being, a human being and a super soldier. Like you should not lose to a human being and a super soldier. Yeah. But, did um, uh, did uh, I'm sorry, I, I don't know all these characters' names, so I'm struggling to ask this question. Uh, who's the guy who's the, the Iron Man? Crimson Dynamo. Crimson Dynamo. Crimson Dynamo. Did he kill the other robot guy? By accident, yeah. Uh, but he's dead. It looked like it to me. That was that the was impression, impression I got. I was like, holy shit. Like <laughs> when that started happening, like what like I couldn't exactly tell like who survived what or whatever. And I was like, damn, it's about to be like a suicide squad moment. They're about to kill off half of these characters in the first issue. <laughs> Fun fact about Crimson Dynamo, he's actually uh, an Iron Man villain. Right, oh. yeah. I was going to say, it, was that who the villain in Iron Man 2 was based off of? Uh, the villain in Iron Man 2, so you're talking about... Uh, Mickey Rourke's? Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Uh, that was based off of Whiplash okay. and Crimson Dynamo, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I... I I was I couldn't remember that character's name and I was like I wonder if this is the same guy and they just said modified him from you know whatever but um, I did know he was an Iron Man uh, villain I mean obviously yeah. he looks exactly <laughs> he looks like he yeah. looks exactly like Iron Man right he's got the repulsors and everything <laughs> um, I'm interested in Red Widow but mm. she talks too much she talks too much <laughs> she needed to explain the master plan yeah. She should have had a mouthpiece. <laughs> nah, um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm still interested in, in the role and like the why behind it. So mm-hmm. I think that that intrigue wasn't lost upon me. But uh, I get that you know, typically you you might want your villain to be a more mysterious behind the scenes commanding character, and yeah. and she was just kind of just like laid it all out and like was uh, alongside the fight right yeah which like 
It's I don't know. I get what you're saying, Sean, because I remember when they in the the prelude when they show her and they're describing her. I was like, oh shit, like she right. seems like hard fucking core. And then it's like, and not to say that she's not, but when she gives the speech, I'm like, it it gave me like very like a Nick Fury kind of vibe of like, okay, so that's where you're at, like that's yeah. and rather than kind of like allowing the mystique of her to grow a little bit more, you know, I I wouldn't have minded if it was another issue or two before we like really heard her talk. Um, but, but I agree with Marco where like, it didn't like make me like less interested in her or anything like that or not think that she's like a big deal, but I totally get what you mean. Like that moment felt like I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe she's a little different than I thought. All of that said, this was a pleasant surprise. I would say pull this if you want a little bit more of, you know, specifically Yelena and Red Guardian after you see Black Widow. Um, I think that this is a good transition into the comics version of those characters. Don't be freaked out by the fact that Black Widow and Red Guardian in the comics are married or were married. I was like, what? They have a parental <laughs> oh, right. relationship. Uh, try to ignore that. Um, but otherwise, I think this is a, there's a lot to like here. I agree. I would definitely say pull it. Um, I. It's funny because I walked away from Black Widow, like, not necessarily more interested in those characters. Like, Yelena, I was excited to see had a future in the MCU because I like Florence Pugh as an actress. And I'm like, cool. Like, I'm, I'm into seeing her evolve into, you know, evolve that character over time. Um, this issue made me more interested in those characters and it made me like them more um because i i preferred the way they were written here you know um so yeah i i definitely think pull this book uh yeah this was this was all right i think you really need to be curious about the characters and curious about what this book is to pull mm. um honestly uh you know I, I usually do my like on Comixology, you, you pre-orders the week uh, before. And so uh, I didn't even notice this book just kind of scrolling through um, casually. I think it was fun. So definitely surprised on that front. But um, even still, I don't I don't know that. Me personally, I'd, uh, I'd go for it. I, I, think, I think that fact works in its favor. Like, I'd I think say, the fact that, like, I went into it, like, not really knowing what to expect... Like it, it definitely won me over uh, in a way that um, I didn't know that it, it necessarily would because I just didn't have that interest in those characters. But I think if you are in the mood for like a fun, you know, uh, superhero team book that's like tight and has good dialogue and good action, this is a strong issue number one. I mean, I, if if every other issue is this much fun, I think it's worth your time. If any of those things float your boat, yeah. Uh, I, I think I think I would say I'd be more comfortable saying trade weight it, see where this sort of all shakes out, see how the, the story goes, where we end up with um, uh, Red Widow, and uh, we can figure it out from there. Well, you won't know if you don't buy it. But that's why I'm trade waiting, Pete. I'm gonna see what the <laughs> I'm gonna see what the buzz is about. Fair enough. Or the growl in this case. Before we cut out, uh, we do want to give you guys a little taste of what we're looking forward to, what we're pulling next week. So we'll do this really quick uh, condensed pals pull segment for you guys to let you know what you can expect us to be pulling, what we might even be reviewing uh, next week here on the show. For me, 
the book that I'm most excited about that's dropping next week is Static Season 1, number 3. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait for this. I've been on the... Uh, I'm, I'm definitely on the bandwagon for this series. Uh, this is by far my favorite Vita Ayala anything so far. And then I'm super happy for Nicholas Draper Ivy's success. Uh, really, really blowing people away with the art. Um, and I think every issue of this book um, has been better than the last, which there's only two, so whatever. But um, this is a book that I have shown my friends and they have been like, oh my God, this is incredible. Like my friends that don't read comics, but are black and, you know, remember static from when they were kids. I show them this and they're like, yo, I can't believe this. This is so cool. So I love the energy. I love the excitement behind this book and I'm very excited about it. So definitely going to be reading static next week. That's also my pick. Um, I echo all of Sean's statements um, in terms of, you know, I, I've just gotten so much out of this book and I grew up loving Static. I am so happy to see him back. Uh, and I, I hope that this book, um, I hope this book continues to find, you know, find me where it's found me and that other people jump on the bandwagon because I want to see it. I want to see it keep going. You know, I think there's just so much potential for that character. Um beyond what you know how he's been utilized so far i i'm torn between two can i shout out two yeah sure all right the finale of the many deaths of lila star um, very nice felipe andrade i've been absolutely uh, engrossed by this book so so good um pick it up if you can Uh, you have to experience it it's it's been a really really great ride i think rom's a, a rising star and this is like another just kind of uh button on the coat that he's building of uh you know his work mm-hmm. and then the other one is demon days uh cursed web so this is a peach momoko book and momoko book and uh i loved demon days x-men so i'm excited to see how you follow up with a x with X-Men, Spider-Man sort of crossover here um, in, in one, her art style, and then two, in the, uh, I think they're still doing it in the past. So very interested to see where this stuff goes. I missed out on the X-Men Demon Days, so, oh, so definitely good. let me know how this one is. I, I missed out on the, the Mariko one, actually. Uh, I missed out on that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh, definitely gonna let you know this. It, it looks awesome. Cool. So that's gonna do it for us here on this week's reviews. Let us know your thoughts about these books. Let us know if there are books that you want us to read next week that we are not currently pulling. We would be happy to do so for you guys. Uh, as a quick reminder, if you want to support us, make sure that you leave us a follow, rating, and a review wherever you're listening, and like, comment, subscribe. If that happens to be YouTube, hit the notification bell so you can be made aware of when we drop new content and listen to our main show, The Comics Pals, which comes out every single Monday for us commenting on the news and all the characters that you love and all the different places you can find them, including Spider-Man. We will be talking about the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, so tune in to the show this week for that. For the rest of the pals, I am Sean telling you thank you for listening and we will see you guys next week take care guys